Hi, this is Joshua Townsend with Notes on Your Notes, and we're going to have a little chat before our episode starts because I wanted to share with you about this retreat that's coming up at Hollyhock, which is on Cortez Island in beautiful British Columbia. Uh, it's right around the corner. So first of all, who would want to or have the desire to come up and do this kind of intensive work for four days with me? And I would say that anyone who's involved as an actor or a writer or a director or even someone who has a story that, that's burning inside of them and they have to, to get up and out in a safe in a safe environment that's fully supported. And that's part of what we, we do up there. We want to create space that's safe and, and supported and it's a, a container for you to do your best work and also to go into whole other areas that you, you know, that you have never explored. And, and that's really required. A lot of times, um, we can use the, the nature analogy of, of like a seed, all right? You, you don't just put a seed out and expect it to grow. You need to give it certain environments. And that's what we're going to be doing up at, up at Hollyhock. Um, so we're going to be working with uh, all of nature. We're going to be working with uh, relaxation. We're going to be working with different sensory uh, experiences. And those sensory experiences build us to a, sen- a certain sensibility as, as an artist. One of the things is important to me is making sure that we have more range, more possibilities, more freedom of self-expression. And ultimately, we're going to become more aware of our own inner process and then connecting that inner life or that inner process to our creative work. Besides that, we're going to have a whole lot of fun because there's a lot of nature and a lot of great people there. So I look forward to seeing you there. If you have any questions or concerns, please contact me and we'll take it from there. And now let's get back to our notes on our notes episode. Now arriving downtown Santa Monica station. Hey Adam, it's time for notes on your notes. I'm Adam Lesser. And I'm Joshua Townsend. Welcome to Notes on Your Notes, a podcast about the creative process and storytelling. And this is part two, eh, Adam? Part two. <laughs> are you gonna? Are you going? Are you going to France? Are you going to Paris again? Come I'm on. not going to Paris. I have really? no plans to go to Paris. Okay. But uh, we got you, fired up last week about yeah. doing a show. Oh man, I thought about it all week. You did. I did. I really did. I was like, I was really turning it over in my mind. I wanted to cram it all into one show, but Josh said no. Josh's Germanic disciplinarian side came out. <laughs> das no. Das no, man. Last week, uh, if you haven't listened to the episode, uh, you can go and do that. Uh, I will just summarize briefly. We talked a lot about the difference between episodic storytelling mm-hmm. uh, versus transformational uh, serialized te- <laughs> storytelling. Basically, we talked about the difference between film and TV uh, and why they're written the way they're written and... Uh, it's something that I didn't really think about until I tried to write a TV pilot versus a feature film and realized how different they were. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they're massively different. So go back and listen to that episode. It's a fun episode. Are we just going to jump right in or do you want to do some banter? 
I feel like this one, the banner is going to just be oozing out much like the lava is in Hawaii right now. Okay. You know, it'll yeah, just flow. Just so much oozing. All right, I'm fired up, so I'm going. Yeah, go, go, go. go. go All right, out. here's my thing. Yeah. So there are some stories, films, uh, television, which do not have characters which change at all during that. They don't learn anything really. <laughs> <laughs> we just watch them because they're fun to watch. Right. And 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 those are going to be more action oriented most of the time like 007 and um that wonderful uh uh Fast and the Furious. Yeah. But it happens examples. on TV too. That's not entirely true because the nature of TV like a lot of the big characters stay the same for right. six or seven I meant, seasons I'm, i meant in feature films in, in feature, feature films okay. it's in gonna, feature, yeah in feature, feature films it's gonna it tends to to pull towards action adventure hero type right so this was the this was the context of josh and i's conversation last week to which i then said well how do you write a transformational character and that's when for, for, that's, right for episodic and it's, it's almost yeah. and, well that's very hard yeah. almost impossible because if you write a transformational character for a serialized television show once the character transforms we're not super interested in watching him like if frank underwood in house of cards becomes suddenly like a nice altruistic guy who's not obsessed with power the show's over Mm -hmm. that we covered last week what i want to talk about this time is like if you are trying to write that transformational character Mm -hmm. because it's a hard thing to do Mm -hmm. if you if that's what you're trying to do in a story like Mm -hmm. in a film Mm -hmm. how do you do that and I want to start by laying out some examples of what I'm talking about. Please. Okay. So I was thinking about it like, I was like, what are like the two of like the most glaringly big examples of a transformational main character in mm-hmm. a film? Mm-hmm. And I came up with The Verdict with Paul Newman. Mm-hmm. One of your favorites. One of my favorites. And mm-hmm. Shrek, mm, which nice. I believe is a Disney movie. Disney, Disney animation. Movie. Animation. Yeah. Okay. So... Um, you know, high intellectual art house and... I thought Shrek was really intellectual in art house. Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> Shrek is... I thought Shrek was pretty deep. Uh, but let me just start with The Verdict. The Verdict is basically a redemption story. Paul Newman is a lawyer, a disgraced lawyer who's an alcoholic. Uh, and he needs money and he gets thrown a case by a colleague. And he ultimately finally finds a purpose in this trial. He's suing the doctor who killed basically made a malpractice decision and killed his client, right? Mm-hmm. That's basically, and so there's a trial. It's a trial movie, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Again, and uh, he's got a lot of enemies, a lot of antagonists, opposing counsel who's wealthy and rich and opposed to him. The Catholic Church is opposed to him. Uh, so that's where we start, okay? Mm-hmm. David and Goliath. Right, David and Goliath. David Mamet wrote the screenplay. Um, from what I have read and heard, uh, it was based on a book. It is very different from the book, and no one could quite figure out what to do with this book. Hmm. Apparently it got tossed around Hollywood for a while. Hmm. And then David Mamet figured out that it should be about the attorney, not about the mechanics of the trial. It should be a redemption mm-hmm. story about mm-hmm. the attorney. Mm-hmm. Okay, so this story opens, the film opens with, uh, I believe his name is Frank Galvin, Paul Newman's character trashing his kind of crappy law office because he's hammered. And he's angry, and it's kind of this amazing scene. He ends up bruised. And then, of course, the next scene is uh, the client coming in. Mm. Anyways, we go through this whole thing. He he has his moment of redemption where he becomes f- moves from being a disgraced, because he's also a disgraced attorney. He got in trouble with the bar, alcoholic, to he wins the case. Mm-hmm. And the final scene in the movie, he's sitting in his office, 
legs uh feet up on his desk Mm -hmm. and instead of pouring himself a drink of whiskey Mm -hmm. he pours himself a cup of coffee right he's found religion i don't mean in terms of god Mm -hmm. but he's found the religion of purpose right Mm -hmm. he's found that there's something in his life worth fighting for Mm -hmm. so his misbehavior has changed and before we go any more further i just want to say we should talk about this word misbehavior because it gets tossed around all the time and i don't even think i really heard it or really understood it until until i started hanging out with screenwriter people, Mm -hmm. but they use it all the time and not everyone's familiar with it. So do you want to take a stab at defining it? Yeah. I'm going to say that misbehavior is based on the opposite of behavior. Uh, It's eh. so, you know, back in the day they used to say things like, Oh, the tragic flaw or, you know, um, what are the words would people use to describe that, that, that character trait that, that was causing the downfall. Okay. It was basically a character trait that causes the downfall of the, of the person. And I felt like, or I, fe- I currently feel that words like tragic flaw and whatnot are such a hard stamp that it's hard to uh, make it uh, doable, to make it behavior-based. And because the word misbehavior includes the word behavior, right? Um, you really want to reduce it to actual behavior because one of the kisses of death is, is hearing things like, oh, and then I realized, or, you know, somehow the, it, it, the, the transformation is in the mind, and they don't, or they see the world differently now, but that doesn't really mean anything until it becomes behavior. Right. And so I want to give a great example. You're exactly right. It's, it's a behavior, which means that a ch- the character has to then make a different choice to shift that behavior mm-hmm. and to take it back to the verdict that, that we can see that we can see. Yeah. There's a scene um, in the movie in the verdict where Paul Newman's character gets offered a settlement from mm-hmm. the hospital. Mm-hmm. And, and and when he opens, he just needs money. He's an alcoholic. Mm-hmm. He's broke. He's living in his crappy apartment. And it's that moment where he makes the choice and he turns down the offer. Okay. So he turns down the offer because he decides He's seen the woman in the coma mm-hmm. who the who the hospital has has wronged mm-hmm. and now he is th- this is the beginning of the shift of him his misbehavior right. so, 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 let, so let me jump in here this this what what the writer has done he's poised the character to be in what we call a moral dilemma, which is even better than a choice point because choice points are like you know I have to make a decision here or there right but a moral dilemma it does damned if you do, damned if you don't, and you hope you're making the right choice because that could lead you to your transformation in terms of from the writer's perspective. So he did a brilliant job of putting him in a moral dilemma at the highest. Him pouring a drink of of a coffee as opposed to in the first scene, which was alcohol, that actually is what I would call the denouement, speaking of being French. (laughs) The French episode. Josh. It's the French episode. See, banter just sort of came Josh in is all by a, itself. Josh is eating croissant. <laughs> <laughs> um, so it's it's the denouement because the transformation has already occurred, and we've seen it to some degree, I would imagine, in the last trial scene. Um, and then this is like the cap. Yes. This is the way yes. of like, yes, he is gonna, not only is he, is he shifted, but he's going to keep on doing it in little ways, big ways throughout the rest of his life. He's good. He sails yeah. on. It's like the exhale. It's the moment where the, almost the audience mm-hmm. gets the moment almost of reflection. Like, I feel like there's the climatic point where when he wins. Yes. And then there's the moment of self-reflection. We're like, oh, this is, he's changed. 
He's changed, but it also is concretized because now it's a part of his everyday life. Right. He's, he's going to be drinking coffee instead of Irish Irish coffee, whatever that's yeah. called. Yeah, he's, he's got rid of his flask. He's not dumping yeah. right, whiskey into his coffee anymore. Yeah, and so now, so, so f- uh, I'm glad you brought that up because what that does is, is that it brings the world back into balance. Mm-hmm. His character is now more balanced. His misbehavior has has is not has does not have the, the best of him anymore. Right. It's interesting. Yeah, I know that you think of misbehavior in terms of imbalance and balance. Yeah. It's like humans needing to come back into balance. Yeah. What's out of balance? Because because having a drink, you know, as long as it's not ruining your life, is not a misbehavior. It's only when you get disbarred or whatever problems, you know, it had escalated that it becomes out of balance. Right. And the alcohol is symptomatic of him having no purpose and feeling like he needs resent- redemption. Lost and yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I want to talk about Shrek for a minute. Right, the art house film. Right, the art house film, Shrek. Shrek opens with Shrek the ogre um, pushing everyone away. In the Mm -hmm. opening scene, he's got all these swamp creatures who I think are like scared for their life and they all want to come hang out in his swamp by his little ogre house and he kicks them all out, right? Mm -hmm. And the closing scene is him returning married to the princess Mm -hmm. back to his home in the woods and all the sea creatures are there, the swamp creatures are there and he lets them stay. Mm-hmm. Right, because he's moved from like believing he's ugly and unlovable and pushing the world away, mm-hmm. he's transformed towards he welcomes the world in and he's his heart has been open to love and he no longer thinks he's disgusting, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And okay, and mm-hmm. he's now married the princess who feels the same way about him. So it's a, it's a similar type of like we see the transformation mm-hmm. really strongly um, to the point where. I sometimes just when you start to notice these things again and again in transformational movies, it can almost feel a little cartoony. You're like, it was a cartoon though. I know, but it okay. wasn't. Okay. I just want to make sure I think you got that. Part. It was real to me, Josh. <laughs> okay. Okay. Suspension of disbelief worked. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, it feels like an animated thing. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. So Shrek and you know, Shrek did so well. Yeah. And I want to say that I think that part of why Shrek did so well mm-hmm. is because it was such a well-crafted transformational character. So again, you're pointing to the denouement, you know, the, the, the takeaway. So what was, what was... Oh, it's the marriage to the princess and the moment where the, he realizes that a princess will love him despite how he looks. Okay, but we use, the, we use the evil word. The evil word, I realized. No, no, I didn't understand, but like what is, but, the, but what is the exact so, moment? When yeah, because, well, hopefully it's a choice point and an even better, a dilemma. That, that the character is uh, I'd have to think back, but I think there's probably a choice where he decides to go after the princess. Okay. Right. I know what you're pointing to is something di- similar in the ballpark, which is that you have to be very worried when things are happening to the character rather mm-hmm. than them choosing. Yes. And in the, in, the, in the verdict example, it's a very clear moment mm-hmm. where Paul Newman mm-hmm. makes the choice. Yes. And the one-two punch in that movie is he goes to take photographs of the woman in the coma on mm-hmm. the respirator mm-hmm. in the hospital, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, because she's his client. Mm-hmm. And it's in that moment where we see suddenly a moral shift. Mm-hmm. He's not out for the money. He's out for, uh, he feels a sense of personal responsibility suddenly. Mm-hmm. And then we see him refuse the choice point, refuse the settlement offer, mm-hmm. which will later come back to haunt him. Yes. Because the client will find out that there was a settlement offer on the table table, and blame him. And what he does is technically illegal, right? Mm-hmm. 
to have a settlement offer and not share it with your client. Yeah. Um, the family of the woman. And it'll come back and be very important later. But it was what he needed to, to move forward. Mm-hmm. So, okay. So we, Which what, also adds to his responsibility factor. Like he's taking responsibility, so much responsibility that he's doing something illegal within the context of the form that he was uh, supposed to um, show up in for his client. Yes. Which actually elevates his choice point to even a higher degree. Yeah. Because if, if, if he had the approval from his client to, to pass, then it wouldn't, it wouldn't have the same resonance. Right. And I know you're talking about, I just want to get back to, to Denouement. <laughs> Denouement. <laughs> I'm not bringing it up just to... Simon Charlie. <laughs> I'm not bringing it up just to... Just that. So I'm you can roll up. out that French and <laughs> get the... Uh-huh, yes. Le uh, fin. Uh, is to say that like I think filmmakers are very, very sensitive to the visual symbol. I think of it more as a visual symbol. Like we see these things, these are symbols of, of the change. It's fine, it's fine, it's fine to look at it once you finish your script like that, but you really wanna make it actionable, doable, yeah, seeable, I'm not, okay. I'm not pointing it out to say like this yeah. is, Yeah. I know, like I know what you're worried about because you probably come across scripts and stories where characters just have a realization and they're not greedy anymore now they're no. altruistic and I'm, you're I'm and that's irritating because it's unsatisfying for the audience because yes. the character did not choose he yes. didn't he didn't walk in and you know renounce his inheritance because it was tied to a disturbingly unhealthy relationship with his parents right yes. like he didn't do something like yes that we didn't see him make an action her. right see him or her make an action and a lot of times people go well i had all these experiences and then one morning i woke up and i was like i'm not going to do this anymore and and that's an internal choice but if we don't see from whence it comes it won't it won't be satisfying okay so this gets back to the original question I asked you last week which is okay. like how do you make a transformational character how do you synthesize and one of the things to consider is where do they begin mm-hmm. you know do we see their misbehavior in the first 10 minutes mm-hmm. and then what are the relationships or the catalysts that are going to apply pressure to make them reconsider mm-hmm. their behavior mm-hmm. and change there's usually a relationship mm-hmm. and shrek it's his relationship with the princess and also to an extent a relationship with his best friend the donkey who basically forces him to open his heart, right? Mm -hmm. Certainly the princess. Mm -hmm. Um, So you're bringing in this element, which which I wanted to make a whole dedicated show of today, Adam. But next week. No, (laughs) because we're doing episodic. Um, Because I'm never going to transform, because we're just going to go over and over and have banter. Um, Is this thing of... And I want to do a whole show that was dedicated to this, but you took it away from me. I'm not a victim. You make me one. Okay, Mm -hmm. um... Which is hopes and dreams. Right. I, I know what you're saying. Yeah. Because if the character has specific hopes and dreams that are counter and they can see how that their misbehavior is getting in the way of their fulfillment, then they're going to have more leverage. It's not to say that the old old pattern won't be there uh, exerting its leverage as well. But, but that's, what we're, that's what we're paying to see. We're seeing, we're seeing someone who has a hope and a dream their misbehavior gets in yeah. the way of their achievement and they're going to overcome their misbehavior in order to, but see, that's the ruse. That's the, uh, that's the, that's the sideshow. That's the, that's the slip of the hand because yeah. the slip of the hand is, is the object. 
The object is I want to be a contender. The object is I want the girl. The object is um, I want I want to build uh, an amazing business. Right. Right. And and be the I want to be the head of the of the of the art okay. world. And then all the things that we have to do in order to do that is the actual transformation. The actual grabbing the the boxing gloves, the golden gloves, is not it ultimately. It's what he has to he or she has to overcome. So when I think of this, I think the question you always ask yourself is what does this character have to learn? It's very similar to me in some respects to life when I see friends who are making mistakes repeatedly Mm -hmm. and are stuck in habitual patterns that are unhealthy. Yeah. There's like sort of like two, a couple ways to relate to them. One is like to like be like, oh, you're an idiot, like blah, blah, (laughs) be really uncompassionate. (laughs) But the other question is just to ask, to step back and say, oh, well, what does this friend have to learn? Mm -hmm. And it's the same thing with your characters. And it's so interesting you talk about hopes and dreams because Shrek opens with Shrek reading a fairy tale about Mm -hmm. a princess falling in love. And then he throws it aside and he's like, yeah, right. Like that ever happens. Right. Right. What a brilliant setup. And you know immediately that's his, I'm going to use another word that you probably have heard in the past, mm-hmm. aside from misbehavior and tragic fall, that is his wound. Mm-hmm. He does not believe in love. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. Um, and it's so common. You see it all. It's just like the thing you, it's so, the heart of most rom- romantic comedies. Right. So it's the I'll, heart of, it's the f- opening episode for Sex in the City. So I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to shape that slightly differently, which is hopes and dreams, which is only in, only in relationship to fears and doubts and insecurities oh i see what you're saying yeah because once you identify the hope and the dream the hope and the dream will actually give you the fear and the doubt right Right. like his hope is to be in love his fear is that he's unlovable yeah right and so if if we translate it into those those kinds of doable words or doable actions it'll make the process more um more tangible right so for the take home for kids our beloved beloved listeners it's what does this character have to learn and what are the pressures that are going to be placed upon this character to force that learning and how will those relationships evolve and what are the choices rather than the realizations that your character is going to make to get us to the end mm-hmm. to get through the misbehavior mm-hmm. and poising that's the, that's the the work of the writer which is to poise to poise the character in such in such dilemma, in such a in such a challenging, difficult spot, that and putting enough pressures on that a, a choice has to be made, and if they don't make a choice, a choice will be made. So that they're really highly pressurized. And here's one of the th- one of the habits, habitual habits that we as human beings have to drop in order to go into that, which is as human beings, we do everything to avoid that, and as artists, writers, actors directors producers we have to do everything we can to highly leverage to to push that position even at the nth degree and we as human beings tried to push uh, to, to shy away from those we things. avoid confrontation as we, at, at, at every chance we get yeah and you sometimes and uh, and to play middle of the road well i'll make a work this, you know, I'll negotiate that. yeah you yeah. can always sort of notice when you're writing scenes this problem mm-hmm is there a hard choice for the character in the scene? Yeah. And if not, uh, why is the scene there? Yeah. 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 Writing the transformational character, this has been part 
du. Part du. Part du. Du. Entre toi? Yes. Oh, garage. Um, escargot. I'm just throwing out French oh, words French I know. French words. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Chateau. Chateau. Chateau is enough to bath. <laughs> Je ne sais quoi. <laughs> All right. This has been painful enough for your listeners. This Mon, has also been notes on your notes. Mon and I'm chéri. Mon chéri. How do you say notes on your notes in French? Sur le notes sur le nu. I don't know what notes oh, are. Oh, that's good. It just sounds sexy. <laughs> sur le table. <laughs> french fries oh adam i have a question for you yes sir do you think we should announce that we're going to be doing uh, a class in los angeles yet or not yet what do you think (laughs) on our show probably not yet right we should probably like have a firm date we should probably nail down a firm date, although we could probably tell people who have been asking us to teach a class that we have committed personally to each other to doing the class. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you know what? I think it's better not to put it on the show. Okay, we won't put it on the show. Yeah, not yet. But like in a week or two. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Coming soon. Yeah. Oh, good. I like that. Coming, Coming soon. soon. Yeah. But in terms of committing to dates, Josh has committed to teach at Hollyhock over the July 4th weekend. So if you need more commitment in your life yes. to the creative process, Josh will be available in a very beautiful setting. Mm. Uh, I have a, the good fortune to be under Josh's directing care at one point in my life. And uh, it was pretty amazing. So I would encourage uh, everyone to head up into... Uh, Canada. Yeah, you know, I think they speak French in Canada. In Canada. Yeah, they Canada. do. Montreal. <laughs> um, yeah, we're actually going to go really. I want to talk for a yeah, second because go, we're going to go me. really deep up in this, and we're doing four days, and we're going to go really, really, really deep into the creative process, and people are going to get um, not only personal prompts from me in terms of whatever projects they're working on, but they're also going to be going into the absolute depth of the creative process using the natural elements in that beautiful setting and ways of approaching rolling out your story in new and unique ways um and a, a lot of times and and i i really is one of my one of my fortes is to look for ways to make the unconscious conscious and so that you can consciously replicate Um, different techniques and different ways of approaching and also um, looking at the material that is there and pushing the material in a direction by asking certain questions or opening different explorations so that you can find your own next step and there's a huge difference between between finding that access point as opposed to someone giving you a prepackaged note which is based usually on a personal opinion. Yeah, the value, it's almost like is training in your own process. And then when you leave Hollyhock, your ability to develop your own stories and work in your own process, whatever, whether you're an artist or a writer, is that much better. Yeah. That's the gift. Yeah. The music on our show is courtesy of Kevin McLeod, and the sound editing and design is courtesy of Adam. We'll talk to you next week. Mm -hmm.